I really think that the key to having a podcast that connects with people is to picture the person you're talking to. Whether you're on video or not, having them firmly in your mind, uh, if, if you go to like one of your best clients or customers or just a person you know you're here to serve, keep them in mind every single time you record. And it's just much easier to be real and authentic with them if you're, if you're really picturing them. When you start a podcast, there are so many logistics to work through. Everything from what topics you're going to cover, to how to put together your intro and outro, to whether or not you're going to seek out sponsors. It can get overwhelming pretty fast. But for me, there was one detail I knew right from the start. There was no way I was launching a solo podcast. The idea of showing up week after week to record content that's just me is terrifying to me. It may be that I'm such an extrovert, but I find the idea of producing a solo show to be completely daunting. This is your host, Bridget Lyons, and today on Podcast Ally, I'm bringing you a conversation with someone who feels the exact opposite. Tara Swiger is the host of the Explore Your Enthusiasm podcast, a show she's hosted since 2014. Explore Your Enthusiasm just celebrated its 300th episode, and the vast majority of the content is just Tara talking. I brought Tara on a podcast ally to pick her brain about how she keeps the show going. In her interview, she shares why hosting a solo podcast was the path of least resistance for her. She talked about how she comes up with content ideas and exactly how she puts her episodes together. And Tara shared how she keeps going even when it feels really hard. In addition to the podcast, Tara is an author, a foster mom, and the founder of a program of business basics for nerdy makers called The Starship. So you know that making it easy was one of her priorities in producing her own show. Let's dive in and see how Tara does it. Well, Tara Swiger, thank you so much for joining me. And most of all, congratulations on hitting 300 episodes with Explore Your Enthusiasm. How does it feel to, to hit 300? Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And thank you for the congratulations. It feels bizarre, like surreal. I can't believe. I mean, I'm, so I've been doing it for six years this April, and that seems unbelievable. I cannot believe I stuck with anything every week for six years. Yes. I'm at the very beginning of my show and the idea of doing 52 weeks a year for six years is a little bit daunting to me. And I have to admit, I'm so excited to talk with you because you actually bring together a lot of the things that for me feel kind of personally intimidating about podcasting. And okay. I'm just really curious about picking your brain about how those work. And I'm talking about doing so many episodes with such longevity and doing a solo show. So we're going to get to the, all of that. But I really want to start all the way back at the beginning um, because you were podcasting before it really hit, quote, the mainstream, as they've been saying. And I'm yeah. just wondering, what drew you to podcasting as a platform in the first place? So I started listening to knitting podcasts in 2005 and 2006. I got my first iPod shuffle um, oh my <laughs> way back gosh. then. So I, because before that, it was downloading files to my computer. I mean, I'm just aging myself. But so I got an iPod shuffle for Valentine's Day, and I loaded it up with podcasts by like attaching it to my computer. And um, it was knitting podcasts and crafty podcasts. And... A couple of years later, maybe 2008, 2009, there was a podcast called Crafty Pod, which was one of the first like really big had advertisers podcast in my like craft and handmade world. And the um, 
podcaster and I actually became friends and she taught a class class about how to start a crafty podcast. And I took that back then, but I didn't start my show until 2014 because in 2008, 2009, I had a handmade yarn company and I couldn't figure out how to have an audio podcast about a very tactile visual thing. And even though there were amazing knitting podcasts, the only audio, and you think like, how is that possible? Um, I couldn't figure out how I would do it. I, I was only interested in doing it to serve my business. So in 2014, I had my, um, I had transitioned my business into I was helping other makers and artists because I kept getting questions from them over the years. And so I already had classes. I had a, my book, Market Yourself. I was traveling to teach a lot. And I felt like it's hard to buy a class from someone online that is a audiovisual experience when you have only ever read their writing. So I wrote business lessons on my blog and in my email list. And I thought if people could see what it was like in a class, it would help them trust me, basically. And it would allow me to talk more about this in a more casual way. And so that is it. I decided to make what I had been writing in blog posts and email newsletters in, into me talking it. <laughs> And that is was like, it made sense. I was super excited to do it. So I did it in a week. And I told myself I can quit after I do it for two months. And then I just loved it. And I was getting, you know, like listeners loved it and my students loved it. And it just really seemed to like connect in a way that I felt like my writing, you know, even then blog comments were starting to go away. And so it was hard to feel any like connection on the blog platform that I, that I feel like I get more with now the podcast plus social media. Okay. This whole thing is so genius. I mean, I think that your story, honestly, of like waiting until you had kind of the reason a podcast, like wanting to do it for a long time is something that I really resonate with because that's been the same for me. I have been out there giving webinars to people, um, about podcasts, because as you know, like my business is pitching podcasts and booking interviews on podcasts. And a big part of that has been explaining to people how powerful the platform is. And every time I finish giving one of these webinars where I would share all these amazing statistics and insights about how special podcast audiences are and how much more likely somebody is going to buy from you after they heard you on a podcast than any other kind of media, I'd sit there and be like, wait, why don't I start my own? <laughs> but, but I was like you, like it has to make sense. And I think for me too, it was like, I needed to know that it was a topic that I felt like I could stick with. And honestly, like talking about how to do PR and how to pitch was just, I just, I didn't want to do it. It wasn't there for me. And so it's been like looking for years, um, for the right, for the right show topic. And then the other thing you talked about is that, um, how you're thinking like I teach people online and it's, you know, often audio or visual, but they were only getting writing. And I just wanted them to see what that was like. That was so genius. I've never heard anyone else quite articulate it that way. And I think that's like dead on. That's such a great benefit. So I guess I assumed then that you knew from the start that you were going to produce a solo show. Yes. Um, the, the idea of finding guests talking to guests, getting guests on my calendar. Um, Because in 2014, I don't feel like there were the calendar software that there is today, like that we use to schedule this. I didn't know about it, at least back then. And it all seemed so daunting that I thought, I'm not going to keep that up. Like I know myself enough to know that adding that whole amount of work to my workload for something I'm not even entirely sure I want to do is just not sustainable. 
Um, whereas I had already been making videos on YouTube, like little snippets of business lessons. And I tried to be, um, consistent with that, but it was hard to get on camera in my like tiny apartment with my bad webcam. And so, um, the audio shift seemed like I can literally do it on my smartphone. I can do it in my car and it will be easy to maintain. That was one of my first rules. I was like, what could I do every single week? Well, I can talk every single week. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. And you, you also said that you were like, my goal is I'm going to do this for two months and then I can quit, which I think is like amazing mm -hmm. advice for <laughs> any kind of experiment. And we do that too. We'll put time constraints. Like right now I'm doing a social media thing. And I was like six months because that's how long it'll take. But other things, it's like mm -hmm. one, I love that. But here you are, you're going to possibly quit after two months, six years later. What's kept you going through all that time? Uh, I think it's a combination of internal and external reasons. So I really enjoy it. Um, I, through podcasting, realized that um, I, my communication style is like verbal words. Like for the longest time, I thought it was writing, but I think I can more clearly express myself, um, especially if I think about it ahead of time and I write it up ahead of time. Um, I can like more clearly connect with people and help them because so many people are auditory listeners. So that is part of it is that it's, it's comes more naturally to me than other things, other marketing things I could be doing. Plus it's just fun. Like to, I enjoy talking about business and helping people with their mindset and their goals and their marketing. And so thinking about how I can help people each week. And that's literally what I do is I'll picture one person who asked me a question or is dealing with something in their business and I will answer their question or I will think about their business and what I would say to them if we sat down for coffee and then I sit down to record it. That's all fun. Like that's like the funnest part of the work I do. And then on the external side of it is that people seem to connect with it because there are so many people who are auditory listeners who don't um, like learn well from reading and who also now reading a long article is just something that our culture has moved away from like the internet culture has moved away from like reading really long articles. And so it's delivered in a format that's easy. Plus it comes to your phone automatically. You can do it while washing dishes or driving or commuting. It's just, it fits really well for the people I want to serve. So it's both sides of it. I love that. And you, you mentioned this a little bit about how you think about your episodes beforehand and kind of write some notes out. So I'd love if you could talk about how much you script your episodes and how you prepare to do, to do your show. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, come up with ideas about, uh, I'll sit down and I'll, um, plan the topics of the next four to six episodes. So that's like four to six weeks. Cause if I look at my content calendar and I have nothing on it, like I can't come up with topics week to week. I do best like kind of batching that idea generation phase of it. Um, so I'll like go into my um, paid community. I'll look at the questions they're asking. I'll look at like the replies I've made to them about their specific business and think like, how, how can I extrapolate this for a, a less specific answer? Um, what are the things people are struggling with in my conversations with them? Um, come up with a list of ideas and then every week or two weeks, I'll either do one week at a time or two weeks at a time, depending on what's coming up in my calendar, <laughs> I will sit down and write. So I write the answer, then I look at it and I make sure that it makes sense. Like it flows that it like one follows two, well, two follows one <laughs> <laughs> and that it all 
<clears throat> that I've clearly said what I wanted to say. And so sometimes that takes like writing it all out and coming back at the next day and being like, no, 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 that's not clear at all. Or like, I did not, I, I meant to go this direction and not that direction. Um, so I edit it maybe once or twice. And then if, then I sit down to record and I'll either record one or two episodes at a time and I read through it all again. So it's in my head. Mm-hmm. I turn on my recording. I also go live in my um, community, the Starship community, which is my paid community for makers and artists. I go live there each week as I'm recording. So they get the like draft version <laughs> before it's been edited and they like that. So they chat with me during it. And then afterwards I'll like answer any questions that comes up, which I think makes the show better because then I'm getting some more like immediate feedback. It also helps my marketing of the show because I know what resonated with people and what didn't. So like what to quote on Instagram, et cetera. And then I, sorry, did you want to say something? I'm just, I'm totally fascinated by this. Like <laughs> people can hear maybe my jaw like dropping right now. Like I love that. <laughs> so I feel like it sounds like it has a lot of steps, but in reality, like it just kind of all flows. I don't have to think too much about it. I just have to make sure there's a time on my schedule and my house is quiet to record. Like that is a, is the hardest part. And so then I, open up um, QuickTime and I open up the, the group to go live and I have my notes in front of me and basically my eyes are kind of scanning my notes as I'm talking and I've bolded anything I really want to make sure I say and I don't worry about the other stuff because it's already firmly in my head. I've written it. I've read it multiple times through the editing process and then right before I start talking and so then it just kind of all comes out. So I'm not... I'm trying not to read it, Um, but this is also how I teach. So I've been teaching workshops since 2010 and I, that's exactly what I do before I go in front of a classroom is I read through my notes and then I talk and I have my main points maybe on the side behind me, but I, I just trust my brain to like bring it together. And honestly, some weeks I really struggle. (laughs) Like I will have to go back to my notes and just pause because we're going to edit it out and, and go back and be like, wait, that was a tangent. Or my brain will be empty. I will not remember what I wanted to say about a point. So I read through it and then I look at the camera because my show is also on YouTube. And then I, I say it. So like on hard weeks, on stressful weeks, on weeks that there's a lot going on in my life, I will just like record a paragraph at a time. But that doesn't happen. It happens more often now that I'm a foster parent than it ever happened before. Wow. And when you say you write the episode, so your episodes are anything from like 15, 25, like an outlier might be more than 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Are you writing kind of a script or an outline for those? How much writing are you doing? So I'm writing a script. I'm just not, I'm not treating it like a script when I actually go live. You're writing a script, but you're not reading a script is I think the differentiation. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And then those scripts go onto my website in my show notes as my transcript, air quotes transcript, because it's not exactly what I said, but it's what I meant to say, which also helps with SEO. And it also helps if somebody's searching my site, um, you know, because they can't search the audio or video file. Um, So having all of that on my site helps them actually find an episode that's about a thing. I actually really love this approach and I've done classes and courses where I've done something really similar where it starts out in an outline, but then as I'm outlining, I'll, I'll have a real clear hit of like, this is exactly how I want to say this. And so I'll write it mm-hmm. down. And so I think probably it's a little bit similar where when I get to the class, I have kind of my, 
big bolded things I want to say, but obviously I'm adding context to it or storytelling that maybe wasn't in the original script or um, like letting the inspiration hit in the moment. But I've never thought about that in a podcast context. Um, I just think that's really fascinating, that kind of mix of preparation and inspiration that you bring to how you do your shows. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, some weeks there's no inspiration. Like it's like, it's a good thing I wrote this down or else I would have nothing to say. <laughs> so it doesn't always show up, you know, the inspiration, but it, it, I like it being loose. I don't, I don't pressure myself to read it. Um, you can tell when you watch the videos, what week I'm doing more reading and what week I'm doing more like just talking. Um, and I think that they're better when it's a mix because I, I don't want to get too off topic or go down too many rabbit holes. Yeah. I'm really interested too about the fact that you do the recording live with your Starship community. Now, I know you're looking for them for kind of input on like what you might want to promote about the show and what they're looking for, but I'm wondering if there's any input just generally on how you present things or content. Like, are there things you found that your audience really loves and gets excited about when you start doing and things that you're like, oh, I tried this and I'm never going to do it again? Well, there is one thing that doesn't work that well on the podcast. So I changed the format. So um, for years, I was, yeah, like two or three years, I was writing um, these blog posts just on my website, which feels so old school (laughs) to do now. I was writing these blog posts that were roundups of what I had read that month. And I started it because people would ask me and I thought like, let me just put it all in one place um, with links to the books and like just a sentence or two about what I thought about it. Not like reviews, just this is what I read. And every time I asked people, do you want more about books or less about books? Because they're not all business books. In the beginning, most of them were, but now it's a lot of fiction because I need the escape. And always, whether it's an Instagram poll, a Facebook poll, it's my paid students or people in my free community. They're always like, yes, more about books. And yet when I record an audio podcast, so then I moved it to like, oh, I'll do my monthly roundup of what I read on the show. Nobody downloads those episodes. <laughs> like <laughs> they like do not, they do not download them. Their numbers are way lower. So I still did that for about six months to a year because I enjoyed it. Um, and I found it easier to, um, like talk about books and like write, write it ahead of time. I'm just like off the top of my head, what I remembered about the book, what I liked about the book. And, um, but people didn't listen to that. So what I did is now I do that entirely on YouTube. It's not part of my audio, um, podcast that comes out each week. So you're getting, instead of that reading, you're getting like another business lesson, which I think is what people come to the podcast for. But YouTube has a much more thriving book community and um, people go there specifically to watch bookish videos. And so I do my like random fiction. I want to talk about this book over in a YouTube video now. Hmm. I love that. And I I definitely want to talk to you about how you use YouTube. So I looked at your channel and you've actually been on YouTube before you had the podcast. You've been on the platform for a very long time, although it looks like you weren't always as consistent with it as you are now. And I was wondering, like, when did you decide to also put your podcast on YouTube? And like, what, if anything, kind of had to change um, when you made that move? Yeah, that is that has been a journey. (laughs) So I started making, I mean, way back with the yarn company, I made videos that are still 
the most popular videos on my YouTube channel about using my spinning wheel and dyeing yarn in the microwave and sheep that my mom had. Um, and then as I um, was teaching more uh, other businesses, I would do quick little video lessons on YouTube just kind of as practice speaking, frankly, um, which has helped with my like public teaching is just YouTube videos. And so I was doing that before the podcast, which is part of what gave me the idea for the podcast. But then the podcast was audio only, um, I want to say up until 2016, 2017, and Periscope came out. Do you remember Periscope? Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I never, <laughs> Okay. I never did that though. You are much more of an early adapter than I am. I'm a, I am, if anything, I'm like, a let laggard. me try it. <laughs> I always think, let me try it because people will ask me about it. Um, Mm -hmm. And so let me just like see how it works. So I was doing, this is crazy. I was doing a Periscope every day. So like sometimes I'd be at the coffee shop and I'd like go outside the coffee shop and be like, hey, this is what I'm working on today. Um, And it was the first live streaming platform that was very easy and I could do it from my phone. Now it's, it's like, just imagine an Instagram live for those of you who missed the Periscope weird bubble. Um, because then it got overtaken by trolls. And I mean, really, really like emotionally damaging comments. So I just was off that <laughs> then. And they, and they didn't do anything to change it the way that, um, this might be a tangent, but Instagram has a, an area in your settings where you can put words that are that will be blocked from comments on your lives or in your comments. And so um, Sarah Tasker of um, her podcast is called Hashtag Authentic. She actually created a document full of horrifying words that you never want in your comments that you can copy and paste into Instagram. And that takes care of the problem. Oh my gosh. I'm going to go look this up. We'll like link this document. Is it public? Can we share it? Yeah. Yeah. I will, I will find it on our website. I mean, she published it a year or two ago, so it's somewhere in there and her, her podcast is amazing. Um, so sorry about the like weird tangent, but so, (laughs) so they asked me, can you go live while you record your podcast? And I was like, that's going to be really lame. Like it's me sitting in my office reading a piece of paper. <laughs> like it's going to be, well, not a piece of paper, reading the screen. And so I went live once a week when I recorded the podcast on Periscope. And, but Periscope's only lasted for 24 hours, like Instagram stories do. And people said, well, can you put this on YouTube so that I can watch it later? I missed it. And I'm like, well, you know, you can listen to the edited audio version of the show next week. But I had enough people saying, I don't want to, I want to watch the live recording of you because it's, it's like encouraging to see somebody make a lot of mistakes, <laughs> which is the, the comment I got the most off. No, I mean, I love it because that's a, that's oh, part of so my sweet. brand. <laughs> I know <laughs> it's, it's something I just have to embrace about what I offer my students, which is like realizing you don't have to be perfect. Yeah. Like, and that if I can show you that by you seeing me like literally one time on Periscope, I was holding my coffee and I spilt it all over myself live on Periscope. <laughs> oh my so I, <laughs> I had like a venti, right? So I get up, I, I like move the hot coffee off me. I like dab myself with napkins, my phone, like I dropped my phone, right? So I pick up my phone and I'm like, well, guys, I just spilt my coffee. And I kept going because I had a point <laughs> I wanted to make. And I still get people saying like, that moment was pivotal in my understanding of like online culture and what I could do in my marketing because that was so, it was so like, they're like, I would have been horrified. I mean, it wasn't, I didn't do anything embarrassing, but they know that their perfectionist self would have been horrified. 
actually, I want to jump in here because I have, I'm very, like I said, I'm a laggard and I have just started really getting into YouTube because my husband and I are buying a camper and we're going to like travel the country in it. And I've been watching YouTube channels of people doing this. And some of my favorite YouTubers are just so, I don't even know the word, like authentic doesn't even cover it. It's like very raw and it's silly or they have like a frenetic energy sometimes, like things that I would be terrified to show up online to do. And it's been incredibly liberating to see those examples of, or like one of the things I've been thinking about is filming how we down are downsizing from an 1,000 square foot apartment to a 21 foot <laughs> trailer. <laughs> and I'm thinking back in the days, like Tara, we just, we both came up, I think in this world where like the models were like design sponge and decorate where people were like hiding yes. their cords for their TVs or hiding their TVs, you know? And I'm right. thinking, can I actually show my apartment? Like, you know, there's piles of books everywhere and <laughs> there's like a, a corner of my office that is dedicated to things that I bought for this camper that like don't fit anywhere. Cause it's a really small apartment. And, and it's been liberating to see that like, maybe I can actually show that stuff in my my life doesn't have to look like a magazine, which in the early days of marketing online or content creation online, that really was the model. So I do think that what you're doing with that is so important and it's completely liberating to see other people who you admire and realizing I like this person, not even in spite of, but also because of <laughs> their willingness to show up that way. Yes. And by the way, I want to see those videos from you. Like, I would love to see how you downsize because, and I think that's a fantasy a lot of people have of doing what you're doing. And so watching someone actually do it is completely fascinating. And even if like you are probably like immersing yourself in the world. So, you know, a lot of people would make videos of that, but your community doesn't know that. Like they want to watch you. They don't want to watch like random RV people on YouTube. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, this is again, a total tangent. And so we'll get, we'll get back to what you're making your point about your YouTube evolution. But I do think about that a lot about how, is it worth making content for YouTube when I don't have a business that it wouldn't be necessary for my business, but I do think that there is so much benefit. And I know you're this way as well in bringing more of your whole self into your brand when you are a small business, because like I have this company podcast ally, but it's just, you know, there's just four of us right now. Like we're a very small mm -hmm. team. We're real people. And I think that there's a lot of value to sh showing all of that. Absolutely. Because it is also going to give other people permission to bring more of their whole selves. Mm -hmm. And if they're a product business or a um, teacher, they need <laughs> their audience wants them to bring more of themselves to it as well, not just product, product, product. And like by, us doing it, it shows people in our community that they can do it as well. And it just gives them permission for that. Oh, I feel so inspired right now. Okay. Get back to telling <laughs> us about your YouTube journey. So you're on Periscope, okay. you're spilling coffee on yourself. Right. <laughs> right. People are, people are loving it. Um, it's, it's funny because actually a, a big percentage of um, the customers I have now are people who originally found me on Periscope, which just makes me sad that it went away. It was, it was very good at customer acquisition, but uh, they asked me to put it on YouTube. So I put, I I live recorded on Periscope, downloaded it, uploaded it to YouTube, very imperfect. And over the years, then I just started um, recording actually 
Periscope went away, so I didn't record for a while, but I just started recording it for YouTube on my laptop when I'm also recording the audio file. So I record in QuickTime, a movie file is what it's called. It's just me saying the podcast straight to camera. <laughs> and uh, then we um, edit it and then split it. We split the audio off of that video file. So I'm not recording twice. I don't have multiple programs open. Um, and if anything happens to the video recording, I actually still have the live recording in my group. Um, but some weeks, like uh, especially recently, as we've had a lot of change and chaos as foster parents, there were two weeks where I just couldn't record. I was going to not be able to do the podcast. And my husband was like, go into the room, get out your phone, record it as a voice memo on your phone. So it was like way back to how I used to do it in the beginning. And nobody said anything or even noticed. I don't think that there wasn't a video. Um, you know, option for it. So it's just like, I do that, but I also remember it. There's, there's more listeners to the audio podcast. The video is just kind of an extra thing and it reaches different people and it's okay though. It doesn't all have to be perfect every week. Yeah. And you see, it's just you talking on the camera, but there's also the background of it. And I was thinking about how I mean, it's not a set, it's a bookshelf, but it, it has like all of it. There's like all the books and it's super colorful, which is so on brand with you. <laughs> and there's fabric in there. There's yarn, right? It's just like mm -hmm. actually this moment of you sitting there in front of your microphone with this like super colorful bookcase, your own colorful hair. Like it really mm -hmm. does. That image tells a story too about you that comes across in a different way than just the audio file would. Absolutely. And for the longest time, I mean, I was, um, you know, we had a, a smaller apartment and I would like arrange my desk each time I sat down. So the desk was behind me and like a, a shelf over my head and the lighting wasn't great. But um, when we, when we moved houses, um, which is just still to a house we rent, there's the office has a big glass window and we were like, okay, that's where I'll record. And it's the first space we set up. So I don't have a fancy recording studio. It's like me next to a window with a shelf behind me, but then I move and I arrange a shelf depending on like what's going on, what I want to show if I'm working on a quilt, the fabric is in it. If I'm working on, like if I got new yarn, especially from um, many of my students dye yarn. And so also send me skeins. I put that in the shot. And so it is a really fun way to non-verbally communicate um, a, a lot, the students in my community and like, or what I'm doing right then. Yeah. And it, it kind of gives you that extra piece of like, I'm just like you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like that yeah. Well, sometimes it's messy, you know, like sometimes when we've um, been like cleaning a whole room or when we were setting up the kid's room, I'd, we just had tons of extra stuff in this room. And so the shelves were like more cluttered. I, I do keep the actual mess out of frame, <laughs> but it's right next to me all the time. There's like a very disorganized desk right out of frame. <laughs> right. It's like nobody knows what's actually <laughs> just at the edge of the camera, which I think we can exactly. all stand to keep in mind on occasion. Um, well, I just love that. And so one of the things I was curious about is if you think of yourself, I mean, I, I would imagine your primary identity is actually around your business and your trainings in your community. But when it comes to content, do you think of yourself as a podcaster, a YouTuber or something else? Well, it's, that's an interesting question because I did not even think about defining myself or putting in my email signature that I was a podcaster for years and years because my goal has never been to have podcast listeners. It's to like help my students and to have a business. 
Um, so, but over the past couple years, I think as the show uh, just kept continuing week after week, <laughs> I was like, this is a big part of what I'm doing each week is as a podcaster. And it's also a easy and free way to learn from me. And so I primarily, I think, identify as a teacher and a business guide, like a person who's going to help you figure out what's right for your business. And part of that is through the podcast. So I do, yeah, podcaster is part of that identity, but primarily as a teacher and business guide, because that's what I do in paid classes and my books and for free on the podcast. And it kind of doesn't matter. Like if there's a new format that's not audio or video, like I would put the show there. So it doesn't matter to me, the format so much. Yeah. And I think too, that that really helps clarify your audience and how you're approaching all of your content, right? If your primary goal is to guide the creatives in your community and, and help them, you know, create, like your Facebook says, a confident and profitable handmade biz, right? <laughs> um, then that just really is a guiding star that can flow through whatever format your content takes, which happens to be right now really in the podcast, but who knows what will happen next. Exactly. They might create like, I don't know, holograms and my show will be. Um, you definitely should have a hologram, <laughs> right? It would be very on brand. <laughs> it would be that my mind is blown right now. I'm like, everybody, I guess a year ago was like buzzing about VR a lot. And I'm like, oh my God, that could be your next thing. <laughs> <laughs> Except for the, like the technical, I, I would need to hire somebody that could technically do it. Like my setup is so low tech. It's uh, my laptop and a microphone. There's, there's nothing else. That's true. That wouldn't go back to your, like, what's the easiest way to make this happen kind of guiding star. So you started with that six years ago and it sounds like it's still a big part of how you make your decisions about what you're going to do with your content. Yes. Because, because of sustainability, I'm most interested in being able to continue to have a business and, um, guide a community and enjoy my life <laughs> more than I am being shiny and new and perfect. And so that's kind of what guides all my decisions about it is like, can I do this long-term? Does this serve my long-term goals? If not, oh, it's shiny and exciting. I might like explore it like I did with Periscope, but I'm not like building my decisions around it. Wow. Well, that's probably a pretty um, good parting statement. <laughs> good <way to> wrap. <laughs> Tara, is there anything that you want to add to people listening, thinking about their content, figuring out their audience or what they should be doing with their content. Is there anything that you feel like you've really learned through this process or you want to emphasize people in this space? I really think that the key to having a podcast that connects with people is to picture the person you're talking to, whether you're on video or not, having them firmly in your mind. Uh, if, if you go to like one of your best clients or customers or just a person you know you're here to serve, keep them in mind every single time you record. And it's just much easier to be real and authentic with them if you're, if you're really picturing them. That is amazing advice. And you said that earlier and I'm glad you repeated it. Um, I, I will say that for years when I was writing, blogging and writing emails, I'd get emails from people saying like, how do you write this way? I always feel like you're talking to me. And it's because I do exactly that. Every time I sit down to write a yes. piece of content, I bring to mind 
an actual image of somebody that I know who needs to hear whatever it is I'm saying that day that I think needs to hear it, but it seems to be working. And so I think that's really, really amazing advice to use for the podcast. And I will say that even though my show is predominantly interviews, this is something that I'm going to be thinking about long after we stop recording. How does that apply to this format and who is it for? And what do I want people, like, who am I really helping here? Um, so that's, Mm -hmm. that's really great advice. Thank you so much for sharing that. Well, thank you. Everybody listening, I really hope that you will go check out Tara's podcast, which is called Explore Your Enthusiasm. You can find it at taraswagger.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's absolutely amazing. And I think it puts a lot of this into context. Like, you know, we've been talking about that way that the shows are kind of written out, but they're not actually scripted, you know, and read from the script. So you can definitely go listen to it and maybe think about how, how that comes through, you know, from your content lens. Um, if you are a creative or a maker, I know we have a lot of people who are creatives and makers in our community. I also strongly recommend that you go join Tara's free Facebook group. It's called Confident and Profitable Handmade Biz, which I think tells you what you'll get out of it. And you can find that at facebook.com. Um, groups, Tara Swiger. I'm sure you can find it just by Googling it too. And I'll put this all in the show notes. So Tara, thank you again so much. This was giving me a lot to think about and I'm sure everybody else is listening too. That concludes my interview with Tara Swiger of the Explore Your Enthusiasm podcast, but there is more. So like a lot of our other guests, Tara very generously agreed to record a how to pitch Explore Your Enthusiasm mini-sode with me, which is in your podcast feed right now. You might be wondering, what did we talk about? And Tara very occasionally does accept a guest onto her podcast, and she also talks about what she looks for in a book. So she talked about the book reviews that she does on her YouTube channel. And if you are an author, this would be a great place to tune in and see if your book is a good candidate for Tara's book reviews on her channel. So I strongly encourage you to check that out in your feed. As a new podcast, your subscriptions, your ratings and reviews really help us get discovered by other listeners. So if you enjoy this episode, I do hope that you will subscribe or leave us a rating and reviews on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. Thank you so much for listening and I'll be back with you again next week.